0: Blog Talk Radio. Driving
1: on night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles.
0: There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With
1: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. It's my
0: baby, calling and I need you here.
1: And John Harlow.
0: And it's a half Talking circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow As we bring another great episode of Talking Circles We will discuss the All Club 400 At All Club Speedway It was Kyle Larson's second career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series victory He dominated the race uh, And he's had a great season up to this point We'll discuss what's changed over there At uh, Chip Ganassi Racing And Felix Sabatis Also Dave Rogers A surprise Taking a leave of absence From Joe Gibbs Racing i uh, been replaced by Scott Graves, who was the Xfinity Series crew chief on the number 18 car the last couple of years. Uh, we'll discuss that. Also, one reporter gave their opinion on what is wrong with NASCAR. Very interesting stuff. There also surprises and disappointments through the first five races. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people who have really – a lot of teams who haven't really run great. A lot of teams that have, have really run good and surprised you. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls at 917 917- Eight eight nine eight two eight zero here on talking in Circle, so the first John we'll discuss the other club four hundred as it was hundred and ten laps, about two hundred and two Kyle Larson by the most laps, won the first segment and this and won the race. Uh, a great win for him. you know he was able to through pit even though there was pitch strategy at the end mark Truex Jr. and a couple other guys stayed out. Um, Kyle Larson was able to go up there uh on a restart and and retake the lead late in the race. And really, really dominated into his first his second career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series win. The first of the season after three consecutive top two finishes, or second place finishes. So it had to feel good, John, for that number 42 team to come out and win at Auto Club Speedway.
1: And also, if you think about Kyle Larson's season, three second places to win at Auto Club Speedway. And he was leading on the last lap of the Daytona 500 ran out of gas. So, I mean, he could be dominating the standings right now if it wouldn't have been for that uh, being a lap short at Daytona. I think it was an amazing weekend for Kyle Larson. I mean, he won the Xfinity race. He won the cup race. He just dominated. I mean, he won the pole. He was one of the fa- – he was fast in practice all weekend. They unloaded great, and there was no stopping him all weekend. I think it was a phenomenal job by the 42 team. Good, ch- the only, um, He had one little problem in the pits, but most of the weekend, I mean, he was locked solid. Dead on running great. I mean, he didn't have to go through the field hardly at all. He was up in the top five all day, running first, second, third most of the time. The last pit stop, he came out fourth. He was on the outside, went around everybody, and pulled away for the win. I mean, it was a great job by Kyle Larson. He, and the one thing that was different that, that I saw this weekend with Kyle Larson, a lot of times you get him on a two-mile track, he's hugging the wall. He was great down low in three and four. And that was something different for Kyle Larson. He's been able to show that he can run top and bottom. He's getting more patient. He's getting more uh, confidence in his relationship with Chad Johnson. So it's turning out well for the Chip Ganassi racing team.
0: It really has. It's been a great year for even McMurray. Jamie McMurray currently sits uh, sixth in the NASCAR, or NASCAR Cup Series point standings right now, and that's huge for him. He's had a really good year to finish sixth on Sunday, but the, but the team that's really come out and run well, is Larson. He's he's had a couple of you know two two years three years before this in Cup, and two years it looked like well eh, he's kind of you know been okay. All of a sudden he just paired with Chad Johnson and all of a sudden he takes off. Last year had a really good year. This year they've been the, the dominant team in the Cup series. And I think it surprised some people. Chip Ganassi Racing is not the team you all you think about when you think about dominant Sprint Cup Series teams. No disrespect to them. They're a two car operation. They don't make their own engine, so it's kind of sitting there going, "Well, we don't really expect them to uh, run it better than everybody," and that's what they've done here in the first five races of the year. It didn't matter if we've gone to a mile and a half, half a mile if we've gone to uh, you know a short, shorter track at Phoenix. It doesn't matter if we've you know run run in the Super Speedway at Daytona. Like you said, Larson had the lead going to the white flag in the Daytona 500 before running out of gas, or he would have might have won that race. And he, he took my breath away in Daytona in those last couple of laps. He made some great moves, did a lot of great things. And that can, and he's come out this year, and they really, really run well. McMurray as well. I think it surprised some people. What do you think's different this year, John? Uh, obviously, no stewart House racing there in the Chevrolet camp this year. I don't know if that's helped a little bit where they get a little bit more Chevrolet support. Um, or, you know, that Matt McArdle, the GM there, is really kind of, uh, instituted some new cars and, and some new ideas there at, at Chip Ganassi Racing. But I'll tell you what, it's been a a complete turnaround for, for, Stuart, uh, for Chip Ganassi Racing. They've done a phenomenal job this year. Uh, and what do you think the difference is there, John?
1: Well, I was just looking at the um, roundtable that Motorsport.com has with Jim Utter, Lee Spencer, and a couple of the other writers. and Lee Spencer said flat out Stuart Haas Racing going to Ford open up the purse strings from Chevrolet to Chip Ganassi Racing, and that that additional support, support has uh, paid off for the company. Um, you almost think they're second ba- second on the list, even though Childress has been with Chevrolet for a long time. But it seems like the purse strings have gone deeper into Ganassi than they have in the past, and they're making it worthwhile. Um, I think the relationship with Kyle Larson and Chad Johnson has worked well. I think it's budded. I think it's grown. And I think that they could probably finish each other's sentences right now. I think one of the things that was really interesting that uh, Kevin Harvick said on his little serious XM show, he said, Kyle Larson is the best driver to come into NASCAR since Jeff Gordon. And considering who Kevin Harvick drives for and who his best friend is, that's a pretty big statement that Kyle Larson's a better talent coming into NASCAR than Tony Stewart was or that Matt Kenseth was, or that Dale Jr. was, or even Kevin Harvick was. Kyle Larson has done so much already at the age of 24, and he's got a heck of a future in front of him. And I I just see him, good things for him. It's taken him a couple years to get it down. I mean, winning a race at the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup level is a tough thing to do. I, mean, I don't know if a hundred people have won Cup Series races. So, to put yourself in those positions, and everything seemed to click this year. Between, I mean, maybe the relationship with Chad, Chad Johnson stronger. Kyle Larson's getting better cars. Kyle Larson can tell Chad better what the car is doing, so they know the adjustments to make. It just everything is clicking right now. I mean, there are five races in. We still got a long season to go. But if remember last year, right before the chase started. I was saying that Kyle Larson, what's wrong with them? Because they were struggling, and without the win in Michigan, they wouldn't have made the chase.
0: No doubt about it. I think um, they, you know, they've turned a corner this year. I, I think that, and you know, again, the Chevrolet purse strengths have really helped that organization. I, I agree with with Lee Spencer. I think that's really, really been a, a benefit to them because they were sort of. They can argue third, fourth in the pecking order. Now they're second or third, and the way they're running this year, they're, they're not performing Hendrick Motorsports right now. They are the best Chevrolet team, uh, um, even though they got a win this year. Richard Childress Racing hasn't been great this year. Um, and you'll, if you go by the points, you look at that and you go, wow, they're kind of really low in points. The, the flagship banner Chevrolet team this year has been uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. And if you told me that coming into the year, that the flagship banner for the first five races of the year was Ganass- the Chevrolet team with Chip Ganassi Racing? I would have said no way they have a chance. I think they're going to run good, but there's going to be a Chevrolet team that's better than them, and there hasn't been. And that to me is is a is a big deal that they've come out and run really good. And I'd say a team that you know really ran well. John had a, you know had a a sort of a uh, a couple of guys had a nice bounce back from what started off as a tough tough races. Brad Kozlowski in second was one. And Kevin Harvick in 13th. Harvick struggled all day, but we'll get on that a little bit later. But Kieslowski, um, you know, spun through the grass early in the, in the race in the last six, spun through the grass with a little bit of contact with Jimmy Johnson, worked his way up, was in the top ten all day, and yellow pit strategy helped him. But a second-place finish for Brad Kieslowski, uh, a very, very, um, you know, recovery weekend for Brad Kozlowski and that team there at Auto Club Speedway. I thought it was very impressive to see, John.
1: I think one of the things that determines a championship team is how good you can do on a crappy day. And when the green flag dropped at Auto Club Speedway, Kozlowski took off like he had a boat anchor at the start-finish line because he was dropping. He went from outside pole back to, I think he was 17th, 18th, whenever he made contact with Johnson and went for the spin. And the left rear quarter panel got messed up. And, I mean, he looked at the car after the race and said, how in the heck did I finish second? That's good teamwork. That's a championship team that makes the most out of a bad situation. He probably had no chance of winning. Um, He probably got to second because of some strategy and everything. But still, the fact that they made the most out of a not-so-good day and come home second, that's pretty impressive. I think Clint Boyer finishing third is a huge deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Clint Boyer has not had a top five since 2015, and he just, you could tell coming off the racetrack, the smile on his face when he was interviewed by Jamie Little after the race, just how happy this guy's been. And it's taken him a couple races, and he said him and Bogoravich, Mike Bogoravich, the crew chief of the 14, are starting to connect. Um, Clint has a quick fuse. It goes up fast. It goes out fast. And Booger Ravage probably didn't understand what Clint was, why Clint would get upset or whatever. They sat and talked Friday night and went over because they we're not good Friday. They qualified 17th, and they weren't really fast in practice. And they sat and talked all night Friday night. And Saturday they come out, and they made good adjustments to the car. And Sunday they were there all day. He He got points in all three stages. So it wasn't like he had a pit strategy where he took no tires and stayed there and got third out of it. That car was in contention all day, and that hasn't really happened for the 14 car, minus the Sonoma race and a couple races Tony ran last year in a long time.
0: No, it really didn't. That's a, it was a very impressive run for Clint Boyer. Um, you know, I thought Boyer, and, and again, I thought Tony Stewart last year was kind of burnt out a little bit, and I think that hurt the performance of that 14 car at the end of the year especially. Um, and I thought we'd see an, an improvement in that 14 car with Boyer in it because Boyer is hungry. You know, he's a guy who, um, you know, Michael Walter Racing, who, who was there, he was he was having a great success there. at Michael Walter Racing and their Michael Walter Racing's uh, future and their whole organization changed Spingate, that on Spingate the night of Spingate, and it changed completely. And Clint, Clint Bowyer was a part of that, no doubt about it. And you know, since then, it's been an uphill battle for Clint Bowyer. The cars weren't as good at Michael Walter Racing. The sponsorships were leaving. Uh, the car, you know, they weren't building new race cars at the end of his first, year, at the end of his last year there. At Michael Walter Racing still made the chase, but wasn't running as good as as we've seen Clint Bowyer run in the past. Last year, obviously, we know the whole deal um, with H Scott Motorsports didn't have a great year there. Made most of it, and now he comes in this year and he's hungry. And it took a little bit of a while there. But, like you said, they, re- they really performed well. They really done a good, a lot of good things. It was surprising, John, because it wasn't a great day from Stuart Haas racing in general. Harvick struggled. You know, he had some damage on his car, so I think that affected that four car. But Danica was in the back all day, and so was Kurt Busch. And I'll tell you what, John, if it wasn't for the day from the 500, you look at Kurt this year, you go, man, it's been a really bad year. They've had a couple alternator issues where the batteries have gone dead in that 41 car. This weekend, they really, really struggled. Over there at all Club Speedway, it's been a tough year for that 41 car so far through the first five races. Aside from his victory in the Daytona 500, um, and, and if it wasn't for their win, if they weren't, they weren't, you know, they wouldn't be locked into the points. Uh, wouldn't be locked into the chase the other points. They're 14th in points, and they won a race this year. Uh, a little bit of alarming for Kurt Busch, I think, so far after Daytona, John.
1: I think there's a little experimentation going on. I think the Phoenix, for sure, there was some experimentation going on because uh, running at Phoenix after you've already won the Daytona 500, getting a win there doesn't really matter. Getting a win in November, that's huge. So I think they might have been playing around at Phoenix trying to figure something out and probably trying to run a different battery so they could put weight in different spots. And the alternator had a problem, so the battery kept dying. They went through six batteries last weekend at Phoenix in a 312-mile race. That's impressive. Um, Harvick got a little damaged. Danica's just been out to launch all year.
0: Yeah. I don't,
1: I mean, it's just a matter of time now. I think the, the novelties worn off. It wore off a couple years ago. Uh, Nature's Bakery backed out and they got a big lawsuit going on with that. I see Danica just riding it out. And when her contract's up for renewal, somebody else will be in that 10 car. Uh, the one thing that I was impressed with, I saw a um, quote from Tony Stewart this week where he said, the hiring of Mike Bogoravich as the crew chief for Tony wasn't for him last year. It was to get the team set and prepared for when Boyer came this year. So that very also explains a little bit about last year.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I tell you, I think it's a a great job by Tony's part, because I think, you you know, hey, let's go sort of this route because, you know, the guy might not be the perfect fit for the future of this team, the guy he had before him, uh, which was Chad Johnson. And, you know, it, it just worked out well for both parties. It really has. Michael Ravich, I think, is a very good crew chief. Obviously, it's hard when you, when you switch drivers uh, a year after working with one driver and then you go to another driver. Last year was a tough year for him because he had different drivers in that 14 car for the first uh, nine or ten races with Brian Vickers and Ty Dillon in that car because of Tony's back issue. Um, so it was a tough first year for Google Ravits just getting used to being a crew chief, uh, how, how that role works, and then you had Tony Stewart, who's a no doubt a dominant personality, uh, a three-time champion, could be a little intimidating, no doubt, I mean, I know it's your boss, you've known him for a while, but working with him as a driver is completely different, so to come in with Clint Boyer, and yeah, you say you know he's, he's a fiery guy, he is, but he's hungry, and I think it's really done well for that team. Uh, another guy I want to touch on, I think, this team's been sort of underrated for this year. I just want to touch on this quick. Is Martin Truex Jr. You know, we talked about that team last year. They they were fast. They were the class of the Toyota field by far last year. And it's the same thing this year, John. Truex has been really fast. He wasn't the best car there on Sunday, no doubt about it. I think he was the second-best car. Finished fourth, you know, kind of pitch strategy, kind of uh, put him out of a the loop there for any chance at a win. But he's been fast all year long, Kyle Larson. And that 78 team is going to be a championship contender, I think, again, John, this year. They're somebody to really watch out for.
1: I think um, that's one of those teams that whenever they get their chassis and engines from Joe Gibbs Racing and they take the chassis out to Colorado, Cole Pern and that team go over with a fine-tooth comb. I mean, they have 200 people going after two cars now instead of two hundred I mean, 150 people going after one or something. So – you were wondering if the expansion would uh, slow Truex down a little bit. He's, ha- he's been snake bit a couple times by pit strategy or getting caught up in somebody else's mess. But Truex has been fast all year. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting is how much Joe Gibbs Racing has struggled this year. There has not been a race where you thought Joe Gibbs would win who would have thought that chip Ganassi racing would have more wins than Joe Gibbs racing and Hendrick motorsports combined. Nobody did. And if they did, I'm going to check you see if you uh, need to pee in a cup or something and take you (laughs) to a rehab center. Because if anybody went in and said the top first five races, chip Ganassi would have more wins than Joe Gibbs and Hendrick motorsports combined. There's something off there. Um, I don't know what it is. Something's just not there. The 48 car and Jimmy Johnson loves a, ra- a a loose race car. And supposedly with the shorter spoiler and the new lower downforce package, the car's supposed to be looser. And everything you heard out of Jimmy this weekend is the car was plowing.
0: Yeah. So, it's.
1: it's... They were doing everything they could to try to keep the car from plowing. And I mean, Kenseth gets in a wreck two weeks in a row for Joe Gibbs racing. Nobody was really, up there contending, and Denny usually runs really well at Auto Club Speedway. And I don't understand. There's something not right at Joe Gibbs Racing, and there might be another telltale sign with Dave Rogers taking the leave of absence, which we'll talk about later. But it's just there's no consistency with any of the Joe Gibbs cars. And the only car that's been halfway consistent for Hendrick Motorsports has been Chase Elliott. And the surprise that Hendrick Motorsports is the number two car of the season is Casey Kane.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, John, and you touched on a lot of great points there. And I'll say this you look at the first four guys in the point standings right now Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Shirks Jr., and Brad Keselowski. I think those four right there have been the class of the field this year throughout the year where you sat there and said, well, they've led a lot of laps. They, they, I'm sure the four of them have led way more laps than anybody else. They've been the teams that you sit there and say, yeah, they can win. They can win anywhere you go. Chase hasn't done it yet. You know, he's a young kid still, hasn't won yet, but he is knocking on, on the door to victory lane every week. Um, other than that, you know, I think the rest of the teams sort of have to figure it out a little bit. We've seen some nice speed out of the 22, but they haven't really dom- c- completely gone out and let a lot of laps. Same thing with the 21. They've had some really weird issues come up there. That The one, as I said, he hasn't been as good as his teammate. Harvick, he's been hit or miss Sort of this year, you know, Phoenix is a track Where he usually dominates, didn't do that Bush, we saw him run really good um, At Las Vegas Other than that, he hasn't been good at all And he's touched on a lot of good points Not Joe racing and Hendrick Motorsports First of all, uh, I'm going to touch on Hendrick Motorsports right now They've been, especially that 48 and 88 camp Which is Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr You know, and if you don't know what I'm talking about Hendrick Motorsports basically works As to You know, they, they work their one garage has a 48 and 88, then the other garage has a 5 in the 2014. And the 5 in the 2014 has been pretty fast. The 24 has been fast. The 5, you know, they've been hit or miss again this year. But we haven't really seen any speed at all after Daytona from the 48 or the 88. If Dale Earnhardt Jr. sits 21st in points, if it wasn't for points in the dual race, Dale Jr. would be like 25th right now. Um, disappointing weekend at Phoenix. I felt a very disappointing trip out west for him and all of them together and this is a weekend to sort of get right for these two Jimmy Johnson is a great racer at Martinsville he's got so many wins there Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a guy who's run well at Martinsville as well, they're veterans and this season has been full of young kids they're veterans and the veterans can take advantage here of Larson who hasn't been at Martinsville a ton Chase Elliott is running the truck race because admittedly hasn't been to Martinsville a lot you know, you can take advantage of Ryan Blaney. You can take advantage of a Deanna Suarez this weekend. Those It kind of plays into their hands. And if Hendrick Motorsports doesn't run good this weekend, John, there's something majorly, majorly wrong with that organization because this is their bread and butter. This is like when Rash Fenway used to come out and say, yeah, but that's okay. We're going to a mile half track, and Rash will go out and win. And they usually did back in their heyday. Um, it's been a struggle for them. It's, you're right, John. It's been a struggle for uh, Joe Goods Racing, too. The top Toyota team has been virtual racing. Even Eric Jones has run really good this year. We haven't seen Hamlin run great. We haven't seen, uh, you know, Kenseth has struggled just because he's had a couple of wrecks. This week wasn't his fault at all, but it's been weird, John. You know, last year and, and the year before, we saw Hendrick Motorsports and, and Joe Gibbs Racing sort of take NASCAR by the reins there for, for a couple of years and go, this is us. It's funny how this sport works. Now all of a sudden it's Ganassi, Furniture racing, Team Penske up there. Uh, But again, John, I think this weekend is very important for the veterans in this sport to sort of get back and say, this is our NASCAR, not your young kids.
1: Well, the one thing that normally you see at Martinsville is Jimmy's got nine clocks, and usually Jimmy is battling Denny Hamlin at the end. So, like you said, if Joe Gibbs and Hendrick Motorsports don't get healthy this weekend, something's wrong. I mean, I'm – The top topic in the uh, NASCAR roundtable on motorsports.com is is Martinsville where Jimmy Johnson gets healthy and breaks out of his slump. And Jim Utter points out that a lot of the stuff's been self-inflicted. Johnson's wrecked in practice and races. He's only led 29 laps so far this season. And the best that Johnson has qualified so far this year is 14th at Phoenix. Johnson's usually a top 10 qualifier. He's not used to coming from the back of the pack that often. And he didn't even qualify at California because he wrecked in practice. And Chad just figured, let's save us. Let's put him on stickers and go back to the back instead of putting a halfway put together backup car with an hour and no laps on it and see how he does and and basically knock off the sticker off the tire. This is the week where Denny Hamlin runs really well here. Jimmy Johnson runs really well here. Dell jr. Has a clock and it came recently. Um, I think part of Dale Jr.'s struggles is he's still getting comfortable in the car. I mean, he came out for half a season. Mm -hmm. And I think Greg Ives sort of got used to how Jeff Gordon wanted the car or Alex Bowman wanted the car, and now Jr.'s getting back into a new package that he's never driven before, and he's trying to figure out what he wants out of the car. And I think it'll, it'll end up happening. I mean, heck, there were rumors at one point this week of making wholesale changes to Dale Jr.'s team, and Dale Jr. went on his podcast and said, that's my family. Don't mess with my family. We're fine. We'll get it. I just think it's Jr. Ju- still getting settled back into the car after being out half a season. Johnson struggles, I don't know. I mean, usually, I mean, especially with the package the way it's supposed to be, there's, the cars are supposed to be loose. Jimmy Johnson loves a loose race car. And he kept c- complaining to Chad that it's plowing, it's plowing, it's plowing. And Chad hasn't figured out this car yet, once he does, look out. So I think it's Jimmy Johnson and Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing. It's almost like they're giving the field a head start, but once they get it to where it clicks, look out, they'll be coming.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that uh, I think has been really surprising is that the 48 car just hasn't found it yet. And and even though Junior came out and said that, and I'm not saying he's, you know, uh, wrong with what he said, but there was a time last year when Hendrick Motorsports was really struggling. We were sitting there going, "Well, we're a little concerned." Junior was was dropping in points before he got hurt. Um, before he, he sat out, he was dropping in points like crazy, and Jimmy wasn't running that good. And Rick Hendrick came out and said, "Listen, I, I contemplated uh, switching up Chad and Jimmy because it's been so long, and you have to sit there and wonder, well, how long can it go?" Uh, if that's the case, and, and Hendrick Motorsports keeps this going, you know, through Talladega and they're still kind of in this funk where they're not really running as good as they should, I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes there. I don't know if it's going to be the 88 car necessarily, or the 48 car, but see some changes maybe internally there and and go, you know what, we've got to figure out what we're doing wrong. So, uh, Rick is a patient guy, he's a very smart businessman, but if he sees something, I think he's going to sit there and go, listen, there's no reason why we shouldn't be winning. We have the resources, we have everything. We have the drivers, we have the resources, we have the crew chiefs. Um, Now it's time to change something up, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes there at Hendrick Motorsports, no doubt about it, if they struggle. Joker's racing's a kind of a mystery to me. I think for them last year and the year before, they found something with their engine package that Ford and Chevrolet hadn't caught up with yet. I think Ford's figured that out this year. And I think this still got to figure out, okay, our engines were good. Now they got to work on the chassis side of things, which is clear as day with Furniture Racing and what they've done. Um you know, they're not beating people with horsepower anymore because Ford is doing that with Team Penske and, and Stewart Haas Racing. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's been a very interesting first five races for this year. Uh, and I'm, I'm dying to see Martinsville because I love this place, John. It's such a fun racetrack. It's a short track. It's old-school NASCAR. I've been coming here forever. And it's sort of where if you struggle this year and you're a good driver, it's in the driver's hands a little bit more than than – every other weekend, if you come here, uh, you know, and you're a veteran and you have run here a lot, uh, you can get right quick and sort of get your season back catapulted to where it needs to go. And I think for Jimmy Johnson and and veterans of this sport, um, you know, Denny Hamlin and those guys, I think it's a necessity for them to do it this week.
1: I think I like Martinsville. It's a a really good racetrack. I just wish you had a little bit of banking, though, because, I mean, once you get to the turns, it's one lane. It's follow the leader through the turns. You make your moves on the straightaways, and you've got a quarter mile to get business done. But once you hit the turns, it's follow the leader, and you can't really pass in a turn unless you knock somebody out of the way. So, I mean, it's it's a good track. It's the track where you'll see the the veterans rise to the top because they have the experience here. Um, once I mean, if until you've driven Martinsville a while, you're not going to be very good at it. Uh, And especially Martinsville holds a special place in Rick Hendrick's heart. This is where they got their first win with Jeff Bodine. It's also the place where he lost his brother, his son. And, I mean, he lost his son, his brother, his engine builder, and the plane went down. So
0: uh
1: his nieces, I mean, Martinsville is a special place, both good and bad, for Rick Hendrick. And they always seem to want to end up in victory lane so they can put their hats on backwards and salute Ricky.
0: No doubt about it. And I think uh it's a, it's they got a very good chance at this weekend. 917-889-8280. if you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles, Clayton Cole, John Harlow from Stu dot com with us here. And let me say, just say, uh very interesting week for as far as crew chiefs go. First of all, you have uh appeals. You know, Stuart House Racing comes out and says, We're not gonna appeal, then they appeal or, you know, then they appeal. Um excuse me, Stewart House Racing comes out and says, it's just it's just been a really weird weekend as far as, you know, um, Paul Wolf services suspension, one-race suspension last week. They appealed, uh, you know, and, and they dropped the appeal over there at Stewart House Racing. So it's just been kind of a crazy week as far as that's concerned. Then you got Dave Rogers, who all, out of the blue, surprising a lot of people, just said, you know what, I'm going to take an immediate leave of absence from the team. For the 19 car. Daniel Suarez comes in this year. Carl was obviously the driver. Uh, him to drive the 19 car at the end of the year. Last year, Edwards abruptly announced a retirement. Surprises the world in January. Says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm out. Suarez comes in. Now, Dave Rogers, five races into the year, has left Joe Gibbs Racing. Surprising. Very surprising, John. It's just weird. That 19 car is very interesting because we've never seen something like this where a driver leaves and then five races later, chief says, you know what, I'm going to leave two. Uh, do you think there's anything more to it, or do you think it's just sort of a big coincidence that the driver left kind of unexpectedly and the crew chief just left unexpectedly?
1: Well, Dave Rogers took a leave of absence. He didn't uh, say that he was taking the year off. He said he had personal reasons why he needed to take a leave of absence immediately. There might be a family issue. There might be something going on that might be a medical issue that they're just not getting into. So I have to look at it as Dave Rogers is going to take a sabbatical, take some time off. He may be back by, he may be back in two weeks. He may be back in a month or he may sit out the season, depending on how Scott Graves and Daniel Suarez do Uh, Scott Graves, who's the Xfinity crew chief of Daniel Suarez last year, when they won the championship, who's already worked with him for a year. So maybe this will, I mean, be something that helps Daniel Suarez out. But if you think about it, the last two races, Daniel Suarez has won, run really really well with Dave Rogers sitting on top of the pit box. Dave Rogers is a Joe Gibbs lifer. He was the first crew chief of the 11 back when Jason Leffler came, and they started the 11 team for with FedEx. So he's been with Joe Gibbs Racing a long time. He went back to the Xfinity Series crew chief down there and then came back up eventually. So I don't think Dave Rogers is going to leave – Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, one of the things you notice, a lot of the crew chiefs, when they get to Joe Gibbs Racing, if they came up through the pipeline, they either retire or they stay. The only one who's ever really left was Zippy, and that's because he went with Stewart.
0: Yeah, you're right, John. And I think they like to do it that way because that's how Hendrick Motorsports does it. You know, they kind of keep their crew chiefs, uh, you know, in their own organization, we saw it with great guys when Dale Earnhardt and did crew chief when Steve LaTart left. Um, you know, we kind of see it over and over again when Kenny Francis left. They they went and got Keith Roden. He was at um, Ganassi, but he was a Hendrick Motorsports guy from the beginning. So, yeah, that was that's how they like to do it there. And I think that's what's kind of surprising to me is they they went and got Scott Grace from Roush. But what's surprising to me is it's just the way it happened. Um, and and it's if that's a coincidence, to me that's a big coincidence. Uh Lee in Virginia joins the show. Hi Lee, what do I want to talk about tonight? I want to chime in here on this Dave Rogers situation. What do you think's going on there? It's just kind of an interesting uh situation I think, uh, as far as Edwards leaves abruptly in January. Now Rogers leaves and it could very well be a personal issue and we're looking too much into it. But what are your thoughts? Um, a driver took a leave of absence and, and failed to use the R word earlier this earlier in the year. And now a crew chief is taking a leave of absence for an unknown amount of time. In the same race car. To me, something stinks at Joe Gibbs racing. And I I, I you know it's just too coincidental. It really is. I would be shocked if this was anything other than I think Carlos Slim trying to dictate who gets into who gets into the nineteen. And let me tell you The timing and circumstances of this are really, really, really interesting because there's no Xfinity Series race this weekend. Um, You know, they could have made this move with the Xfinity race, but they would have had to find an Xfinity crew chief. Now Scott Graves obviously isn't doing the Xfinity race. So he comes here on an off weekend and and goes to crew chief 19 car. To me, that's interesting. It really is. And I hope that that's not the case. But I, there's got to be more to this than that. I mean, if, if, personal issue. Personal issue. That's fine. I don't think we see Dave Rogers back this year. I really don't. And I also think that if it was just a leave of absence and it wasn't something that was a permanent future, you wouldn't see such a move as taking Scott Graves and putting him in the 18 car. You would just move up to the. You just move the car chief up. You wouldn't take Scott Graves out of the Xfinity series for an unknown amount of time and put him on the 19 car. It, to me, it's a permanent move if you're moving Scott Graves from the Xfinity series. To the Cup Series, this is going to be a long-term deal, and something stinks at Joe Gid's Racing. You know, you're hearing rumors already about Carl Edwards, you know, really wanting to come back and, and having the itch to come back already this year. And it's only five races into the season. There's talk that he's going to drive a 10 car when Danica is out of there next year, and now Dave Rogers is out. And I'm telling you, it's more than a personal issue because they, again, they wouldn't have moved Scott Graves up. It would have been some, It would have been the car chief. And it would have kept Gray's in the Xfinity car if it was something that was going to be short term. It's an interesting take on it. Um, you no, know, I, th- I think that talking about the as far as a deal with the Xfinity series having a week off, they have back to back weeks off. Um, you know, so yeah, they, are they usually do. So, but listen, definitely, I think that that that's interesting. Uh, maybe Rogers did it for that reason. Say, hey, you know what? You guys got a week off this weekend in the Xfinity. If you want to bring up Scott, who's worked with Suarez in the past, here you go. Here's a perfect week to do it because you don't really need to find the Xfinity crew chief immediately. Uh, You can sort of wait a week and and figure out who you want to put there and sort of get them accustomed to the drivers of the 18 car. Uh, But it does make you scratch your head a little bit. It really does. I'm sorry. You know, it just makes you go kind of, boy, that's weird how that all played out. It could be a big... Huge coincidence. It could be a huge coincidence, like John said. Um, but it is just so fishy how that happened. Uh, and I thought it was shocking. You know, you know, you know, who knows? Who knows what the real story? If that's the case, leave. Like you said, I don't think we'll ever know what happened if that's the case. So um, we can speculate all we want. You know, maybe Dave Rogers does have something go wrong, going wrong. You know, uh, but we'll probably never know. So. Well, one Um, of the
1: things, Clayton and uh, Lee, is you look at Scott Graves, he's crew chiefing what Gibbs is considered the all-star car, which is Kyle Kyle Busch and everybody else who piles into it. So the ability to move up to the cup ride isn't really impacting any car that's going for the real champion, any driver who's going for the championship. Um, The idea of Dave Rogers and Carl Edwards both being sort of pushed, that doesn't seem – I mean – Everything you've ever read, heard, seen about Joe Gibbs. That's You're not right. that's not his MO. Yeah. I mean Joe Gibbs stuck with Mark Rippin as the quarterback of the Redskins. Joe Gibbs stuck with Dexter Manley after he failed how many drug tests and still couldn't read, but Joe Gibbs stuck with him. Joe Gibbs is the one of the most loyal people you ever met. And you listen to Tony Stewart when he talks about how he built Stuart Haas racing. He said the one thing he took away from Joe Gibbs was people make everything happen. And Joe Gibbs relies on his people and Joe Gibbs is good to his people. So I don't, if it's something like yeah, that, but like you said, Lee, it's Carlos Slim pushing a button on that 19 car saying, John, I'm funding talks, it. I man. get what I want.
0: Money talks, you know, Chevrolet had a big part of Joe Gibbs racing. General Motors was a huge part of getting that team off the, off the ground and, and running. And he was with them for a long time, and Toyota came in with big dollars and a ton of support, and he up and left Chevrolet and, and, and General Motors and went to Toyota. So, you know, he is loyal. You're right. He's shown it. But you know what? Every man has his price. And if Carlos Slim is paying enough money and, you know, says, I'll take my R sponsorship and go elsewhere with Daniel Suarez, you're doing whatever he says. And honestly, I know, it's, I know it's the all-star car, but it's the all-star car for a reason there in the 18 car. And that is they want to win an owner's championship. Are you willing to take that move and then, you know, let's just say in three weeks Dave Rogers comes back and then you put uh, uh, Scott Gray's back, in, back into the Xfinity car? That doesn't make any sense. Next week they're running a Texas, and then it's Easter the weekend after that. So they are running an Xfinity race next week, so they're going to need a crew chief for that car. So it, it, to me it's too fishy, honestly. There's something going on here. You know, that article that was written by, by that guy uh, a few months ago where people kind of lambasted it, I don't think that that's too far off about of what happened. Carl taking the $15 million and sitting out, I don't think that that's too far off at all about what's going on there right now at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I think Carlos Slim got the crew chief that he wanted, the one Daniel Suarez won the Xfinity Series championship with, and Dave Rogers is going to be reassigned within the organization, sort of like what happened with Bob Osborne at Rash Fenway. Very, it's very interesting, no doubt about it. I think it's something that um, definitely uh, a lot of people are thinking about this week, no doubt about it. And Scott Graves, great crew chief. I think they're not going to miss a beat there. He, he was at Roush and did great with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. before. Um, you know, Joe Gibbs sort of gobbled him up. So if you're a Suarez fan, I don't think it's anything to be worried about. Um, no disrespect to Dave Rogers, but I think Graves is sort of you know comparable as far as that's concerned. And he knows these race cars well enough, I think, to where it won't be a big issue for him. But, yeah, very interesting. I think a lot of people are thinking about that. Another interesting thing here, and I'll keep Lee on, uh, as we discuss this, John, was an article done by uh, Dana Horn called The Problem with NASCAR, The Industry Stopped Caring About Fans. Uh, In it, she describes that NASCAR is sort of um, shortening the race's doesn't benefit the fans. Shortening the races doesn't benefit NASCAR fans. Shortening the season doesn't benefit the fans. It benefits the people in the industry. Uh, more short track racing and road course racing benefits the fans, but it doesn't benefit the tracks who can't provide the racing, which is interesting. Uh, she also says the TV deal was epic for the NASCAR industry, and it, but it it hurts the fans that don't have FS1 or FS2 or NBC Sports Network, however you want to put it. Um, she said, racing is not wrong with NASCAR. Yes, the fans say well, who, there are fans who will say racing isn't as sad as it was 30 years ago, but she thinks it has more to do with the feeling about the racing more than the actual on-track action. 30 years ago, a handful of drivers dominated each week in lap the field. Ironically, when it happens now, the same fans who say that, yada, yada, yada. Um, what are your thoughts? It was a very interesting article. She dove into a lot of different things, John. Uh, We'll get your take on it first, but um, let me just say this before I get your opinion. It's interesting. If you look at the entry list this weekend at Martinsville, a lot of cup guys, a lot of cup teams are without sponsorship. Ryan Newman's going to have Chevrolet on his car this weekend. He won two weeks ago. And this is the first race on xs one I think it's got a lot to do with it. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, one of the things that, I look back on it. I've been a fan from, of NASCAR since before uh, you were born, Clayton, and probably before Lee was born. Um, back, in the, back in the day, when ESPN first signed on, you had to find ESPN, and then you had to have somebody translate to you what ESPN was. Then it became the worldwide leader. We're two years into NBC Sports Network. We're three years into FS1. And if it was still speed channel, people would understand it better. But FS1, people don't look at it the same who are NASCAR fans. It's like, I knew where speed was, but where's FS1? Um, When the races are on the networks, they get a bigger number because it's tough to find. I don't know where NBC Sports Network is. I have to hit the guide and fly through everything to find where NBC Sports Network is on my TV. The only time I watch it, is when the Penguins are on or when the cup race is on NBCSN. Fox Sports 1, the only time I watch it's when NASCAR is on. I don't watch it for anything else because it's crap the rest of the day. So every now and then you'll get a baseball game on in the summer. So the people have to go searching for the channels. And the packages that they're running do not bring good racing. We had really good racing I want to say three years ago before they took the horsepower away and they first came out with a Gen 6 car. They had the horsepower. They had the package. There was good racing the whole season long. Then they took the horsepower away and it went to crap. And then they've been trying to adjust downforce to keep with the lower, down, with the lower horsepower. And they still haven't figured it out. And we're two, three years into it. So the, the package is not good for racing. The start times. People don't like 3 o'clock start times. A lot of people came with the old-fashioned, I mean, sort of like football. In the fall, you go to church, you eat lunch, you watch football. In the summer, you went to church, you eat lunch, you watch NASCAR at 1 o'clock. Now it's getting to be 3, 3.30 and stuff. I know the West Coast Swing, happens that way. But, I mean, it's two thirty, three o'clock starts here, even on the East. And by that time, half your afternoon shot, you're already into doing something. And I know they want to feed them to their primetime audience and everything. But middle of the afternoon, if I don't have something going right after lunch on Sunday, I get doing something else, I'll miss the race. And that isn't good for the crowd. Um, Another thing that's a problem with NASCAR is the hotels. You cannot, you have to give up a kidney to afford a hotel going to Bristol. And it used to be when you went to Bristol, the night race, you couldn't get a ticket unless somebody willed it to you. Now you can go up race night and get a decent seat. That's the way it is with everywhere. I mean, Dover expanded to 110, 125,000 seats at one point. Now they're back to 70. Everybody's tearing grandstands out because the racing isn't good. The hotels around the area are charging you an arm and a leg and a kidney. So why waste the money? You can stay home and watch it, but then when you want to stay home and watch it, the race doesn't start till the middle of the afternoon. You've already done something, so you missed the race. That's what's wrong oh, yeah. with NASCAR.
0: Yeah, there's. listen, I think we're going to talk all night, I think, about our problems with NASCAR, but here's a simple fact. The ratings are down again this year, and it was alarming when you look at the ratings for each race, and it goes down, 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 and like I said, This weekend the ratings will be worse, no doubt about it, than they were in California because of the simple fact that it's on FS1. Teams are sitting there saying, you know, if we're seeing this sort of trend where teams can't find sponsorship for these FS1 races or NBC Sports races, that's a little alarming. You know, if you tell a sponsorship, and I'm sure if you tell a sponsor, listen, you're going to be on on NBC, sponsor going to say, sign me up. You're going to be on NBC SN, and sponsors going to go, Well, I don't know if I want to pay all the money you're asking me to pay if only a certain amount of people get this. And that's where I think Lee NASCAR sort of took a, it, where well, it's article it's a home run. NASCAR took the money in the NBC and Fox deal as far as national, national televised races. Um, yeah, I think that's really hurt the fan base. I think that's really hurt a lot of the sponsorship of this sport. I think it might have hurt when Monster, when uh, Sprint left and they were trying to replace the title sponsor for the Cup Series. What are your thoughts on it? It's a conflict of interest when the people who own the sport and own the series and run the series also own the racetracks because they're just going to look at money, and that's what they did here. And there's no doubt about it. Joe Garone – or not Joe Garone, I'm sorry. Barney Visser came on SiriusXM radio over the off season or maybe even towards the tail end of the season last year and was talking about expanding to a second team, and they were asking him how his sponsorship search was going. And he said, fine, but it's more and more difficult. It's more difficult to sell sponsorship on the races that aren't on Fox or NBC. And I took that as alarming. And I said, wow, that's interesting. And you look at now Eric Jones doesn't have five-hour energy on the car this week. So there's all kinds of uh, differences, and and I think it speaks volumes to show you that um, you look the sponsorship isn't there this week. Matt Kenseth's unsponsored as of right now. So, to me, there's a lot of that going on, and that's, that's a big deal. And They took the money. That's, that's what a conflict of interest is, no doubt. Harlow, I think you nailed it with the start times. That's another thing. The NFL, which is the Golden Goose, we all call it the Golden Goose, they start their games at 1 o'clock. You don't get any BS. You don't get any garbage before. You don't get Mikey's gridwalk and all kinds of other nonsense before the race when you tune in at 1 o'clock before the game. You get in at 1 o'clock, they give you a short intro and at 1.05 is kickoff, and you watch football. And then the next game starts at 4.05. That's what fans want. That's what has kept the NFL relevant. You want to watch pre-race shows and pre-game shows? You have all morning to watch that. That's what, you know, race day is for and God knows whatever NBC does when they're on. But that's what those shows are for. If you want to watch pre-race and Mikey's dumb grid walk and where's Kenny Wallace and you want to watch all that, watch it in the pre-race. Watch it on, on race day. Don't tell me that the race, oh, tune in at 1 o'clock and give me two and a half hours of nonsense, I'm already tuned out by then. And that's a big deal. That's what the NFL doesn't do. The NFL comes in, tells you 1 o'clock, Kenny Albert and Moose Johnston introduce, introduce the games and teams and players, and before you know if they're on the field, let's kick off. That's the difference. It's, and it's amazing. That, I mean, if you are a race fan and you watch the NFL, what they do with, with 1 o'clock, it is literally... 1 o'clock, they're coming on, and like you, like you said, it's, they're ready to kick off. I mean, it's like, yes, okay, 1 o'clock, I'm here. And you can do whatever you want, but you know you have to be at in the morning on Sundays. But you know you have to be at the TV at 1 o'clock. And if you're at TV at 1 o'clock, you're going to get football. You're not going to get, well, 3 o'clock, what time is green flag? Well, 345, well, why am I going to sit for 45 minutes and watch this when I can go and do something else that might is valuable. Get the race started at 3 o'clock. Even, I don't even think it's a big deal. Um, I, I think it's a huge deal. It's not a big deal, like you said, John, on the West Coast, but it's a huge deal that this weekend in Martinsville, start at 2 o'clock. And I think that's all got to do with TV. NASCAR had this, thing, this issue years ago, John, and they said, yeah, we're, we tried that. It didn't work. And they went back to 1 o'clock start times. Now the TV contract, which is the, the thing that has kept NASCAR, the money coming into NASCAR is the TV contract. They're dictating. Hey, listen, we want stages. We want a start time at two o'clock. They got both of them, and I think the TV deal, like I said, you know, it was a big force, a driving force into the stages. I think NASCAR walked through it. I think Flowers said, "Eh, yeah, we'll do it." But it was the TV contract said, "No, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to stages." And then NASCAR said, "Okay, how do we make this watchable for our?" old-school fans, well, let's give them points. And once they did that, I think the old-school fans said, okay, I can live with that. Um, So TV is kind of the the big thing here, John, as far as they pay a lot of money for this sport, and they're sort of running NASCAR right now with certain things. And I I think that's very, very obvious.
1: Oh, Without a doubt, TV is the totally controlling factor, especially when they're getting – Uh, Less money from Monster Energy to sponsor the series and Nationwide's paying Hendrick Motorsports to sponsor Dale Jr. Um, Where I look at it, especially with the later start times, let's say back in the day, I I used to go to Pocono all the time. I know, Clayton, you've been there, and I think, Lee, you said you've been there before. So picture going to Pocono, and you're in the infield, and Pocono's one one lane in, one lane out. There's one road gets you into Pocono. It can take you three hours to get out of the track. And if the Pocono race starts at 2.30 and it goes all 400 miles, you're looking 6.30, 7 o'clock right now before the race is over. You're not getting out of the track until 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock because of the traffic trying to get out of there. And then a lot of people have three, four-hour drives because Pocono is one of those tracks that people come from upstate New York, people come from Virginia, people come from Ohio to see the race. You're not getting home mm-hmm. to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it gives you extra time to tailgate before the race starts, but it also makes it a really long day, especially when you're trying to get back to work on Monday morning. It's just not conducive to the fans.
0: So I'll give you this. I mean, I, I live four, four and a half hours from Dover. And I love that racetrack. I love doing Dover. But if it's 2 o'clock and i got to work on a Monday morning, I'm sitting there going, geez, 6 o'clock, I'm getting out of Dover. It's going to take me four and a half hours to get back. It's a, I'm not going to go to Dover anymore because I don't know if I really want to come in that late. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting – you know, I would love to go to Dover where, well, well, does one hour really mean that much of a difference? I think it does. Um you know, obviously it does. The TV contracts want it. So, yeah, I think that's a big deal. I think it's a great point. People travel to these races, and uh, time is a big deal. Ali, uh, what's your final word on this whole uh, start time thing and, and the problem with NASCAR here? Well, I think I think the article's right. You know, I think the article's right. There was something that you mentioned in there that I wasn't sure that she was right on. and I can't really remember right, right now. Um, but there was something that I wasn't uh, – I was like, oh, that's not exactly uh, – what the that case was that the it uh, probably that the the product isn't a problem. No, no, there was something else too that that you mentioned that when you ran down your list of topics. But anyway, um, no, I think she's generally right, and and you know the start times is a huge deal. John, John you're right. Commuting to these races, I talked to a guy who lives in Clifton, New Jersey, and goes to the Pocono race every year, and says, you know, it's a waste of our day now to go to that race. It takes us all day to get there and all day to get back because they start these races at two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast. And, you know, by the time you're out of there, you you're on one at one twelve, one o'clock in the morning. It's almost starting to become not worth it, plus all the money you're spending. You know, it it's really it's really getting crazy and, and you started at one o'clock, you're out at four, five o'clock, you're home by nine, nine, ten o'clock. That's what's when you go to bed anyway on Sunday night. So, um they need to really look at that. The NFL. Why would you not mimic the NFL? The NFL is the golden goose. The NFL is the biggest TV contract in the company. Uh, the number of races, I believe, that was is what it was. She said that that it it, uh, it right. it's the, the number of races. I think needs to go down. I think the fans. I understand that the fans want as many racing, races as possible. But the NFL only has sixteen games. I know the fans want more football, but I think that's what makes it precious. And you know, look at the NBA. LeBron James is sitting out all these games and all these play. These are the only one. The Spurs and, and Popovich sit out nine thousand t- players every game because their season's too damn long. Their regular season's way too long. Baseball, the regular season's getting way too long because there's too many playoff teams, and the regular season becomes irrelevant. NASCAR is also getting to that point where their regular season is too long, and there's so many teams that make the playoffs, it's becoming irrelevant. And that is not just so it will it will benefit the fans to trim the schedule. I think she's wrong on that. Because if the schedule even gets trimmed to let's just say thirty races, my goodness, man, you know how pre- precious these first twenty races would be for these guys. Yeah, knowing that we need to get to victory lane, we need to get our rear ends going. You know, nobody's really too concerned about Dale Earnhardt Jr. right now, because there's still so many races to go in the regular season. Imagine if we were a fifth. of the, Imagine if we were a fifth. You know, fourth of the way through the season, a quarter of the way through the season already, without a top ten finish, that's really something to be alarmed about. And right now. Uh, It's a little different because there's so many races. And one of the things,
1: Lee Lee and Clayton, where you were saying about shortening the season, I almost think they need to. One of the things, if you look at Indy Racing League, even though it's barely relevant, they're done before football season starts. And if you look come fall, they had the playoffs and everything, and the ratings suck because NASCAR is going up against the NFL on Sundays. Or if they're running Saturday night, they're running up against the best college football game there is. And the South is NASCAR country. The South is also college football country. Good so NASCAR point. is going up against their two biggest enemies when their best races are. If they wound up starting the minute after the Super Bowl ends, the first the Super Bowl ends first week of February, start the Daytona 500 the second week, get it done by Labor Day, NASCAR has the open window there because there's so many baseball games in the summer that people can care they can miss a game and not have a problem because there are 162 other ones to watch. Make NASCAR appointment watching TV and that's not what it is anymore.
0: No, that's a fair point and Lee, thank you so much for the phone call. You're always a, a joy to have on the show. Please do call back. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a fair point and I've said this numerous times, you know. This year might be a little bit different because of the way the regular season champion is gets rewarded a little bit, and in the, in the, in the top ten points get rewarded before the chase. But I used to say, you know, for example, let's talk about Pocono, because you went there and I've gone there and numerous times. And, you know, back in 1994, let's just pick that year out of the air, if Dale Earnhardt wrecked at Pocono, that was a big deal for the championship. You sit there and go, whoa. Dillon not have a good day today. Somebody's going to catch Can Who can catch him in points? Now, if Dillon Hart Jr. goes out and wrecks a Pocono, you sit there and go, ah. You know, he's got to win. If he's got to win, it doesn't matter at all. If, you know, if even if he doesn't have a win, he's all right in points, he's 18 points, ah, he's going to make the chase. So we're not really worried about that.
1: You or have if to he form... win the
0: first two stages. <laughs> right. You have to perform every week in the old system. Now that it's different. And I'm not saying the old system's better, because you can argue that until you're blue in the face, but it just made those races in June and July a lot more interesting, in my opinion, where you say, yeah, yeah, you can say, well, now guy wins, he's in the playoffs. But if he wrecks, you know, for example, I remember going to uh, Darlington, a Mother's Day weekend a bunch of years ago, and Jimmy Johnson had it that weekend, and my fiancé was, who doesn't, you know, who at that point really didn't like Jimmy Johnson, went, Oh, I'm happy to see Jimmy wreck." I said, Well, it doesn't do anything for his championship, hunt. It, and it literally didn't do anything. And that, to me, is what's different. And I think that what we're all talking about is, you know, fans kind of sit there and go, Well, I'll watch it towards the chase or I'll watch it towards the end, of the end of the race. I think that's interesting here. And I think that's something that NASCAR maybe needs to look at. Absolutely.
1: I think one of the things that IndyCar has done that I think is pretty cool is some of their big races are double points races. And you can do that with the Daytona five hundred, the Southern five hundred, um, two others. Don't make it another don't make it Talladega, don't make it Indy. But pick two others and make them double points races. That would excite yeah, people to watch that race.
0: It'd be interesting. I think it's a uh teams that focus on those weekends a lot more than others. So, I don't know, again, if you you know reckon the first three races prior to uh, Darlington and then you win Darlington, I think you get probably get more rewarding for winning Darlington than you would have if you ran better in the first three. So, that kind of it doesn't, you know, you're rewarding one race more than others, points wise. But it's definitely something to kick around. I, I agree. I think, again, we could discuss this all night. I think we all have different opinions and different ideas. I have start of NASCAR. I thought it was very interesting. It has sort of saved NASCAR. Very interesting. We'll see you next week here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.